Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT Inflation is finally falling. Can investors start to relax? Cryptocurrencies, is it really time to swap your pounds for bitcoins? And we have some good news for men who have recently retired. Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's most downloaded podcast. I'm Jonathan Ely and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form. With the help of my FT colleagues Emma Dunkley. Hello. Norma Cohen. Hello. Plus a special studio guest, Akin Fernandez, one of the UK's Bitcoin pioneers. Thank you for having me. This week started with the news that inflation in the UK has finally fallen below the Bank of England's target rate for the first time in more than four years. According to the Office for National Statistics, the annual rate of increase in the Consumer Prices Index, Britain's official measure of inflation, fell to 1.9% in January from 2% in December. The fall should be good news for consumers and for businesses. It means less pressure on household budgets and suggests that the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will keep interest rates low because it doesn't have to worry about prices taking off. The Prime Minister even sent a triumphant tweet when the news was announced, saying the fall was further evidence that the government's long-term economic plan is working. And on Tuesday afternoon, the FTSE 100, which tracks the share prices of the 100 largest UK companies, rose on the back of better-than-expected inflation numbers. As many listeners will be all too aware, rising prices mean that the spending power of their savings diminishes over time, and protecting against this erosion of value has been a key aim for many investors over the last few years. It hasn't been easy – The interest rates paid on many savings accounts have not kept pace with inflation and that's pushed investors into riskier assets like bonds or shares in search of higher returns. So what does falling inflation mean for investment portfolios? Emma Dunkley is here to explain whether the news is really quite as good as it seems. Emma, first of all, why has inflation been falling recently after being above target for so long? Yes, one of the major factors that has contributed to the fall of inflation recently is a drop in the price of recreational goods, such as buying DVDs or going to an event. The emission costs are actually coming down. So that's one of the major factors contributing to that fall. Another factor is that alcohol and tobacco prices have actually risen less compared to last year. This is especially the case of whisky. 
Okay, so good news for Scotsmen, but not a fall in core staples like food and energy and housing. So, what does that mean for Mark Carney, the Governor of the Bank of England, and his policy of forward guidance on interest rates? Is it making his job easier or more difficult? Low inflation helps to justify Mark Carney's case that interest rates should stay lower for longer. He actually wants to see a broader improvement in the economy, not just a drop in unemployment before rates actually go up. So, this is very good news for him. That inflation is on target. Conversely, if inflation was high, there's a greater chance that the bank would raise rates in order to contain it. Lower inflation is great news for consumers, as we mentioned, but not necessarily for savers because it means, as you say, that、um, interest rates will remain low, and that suggests that savings rates on cash accounts will also be low. So, how have investors been trying to inflation-proof their portfolios in recent years, and have those methods worked? One popular form of inflation proofing is to invest in gold. Lots of people think that gold is a fantastic store of wealth, insofar as while the value of cash actually is eroded by the rising price of goods, gold arguably preserves its value. However, there's quite a debate on whether gold is a useful inflation hedge. The price actually crashed in the 1980s. I think it was 1981. It crashed quite significantly. This is at a time when inflation in the UK was particularly high. So any investors holding onto gold then would have been disappointed. Things like property or, or shares are they also effective hedges against inflation? Yes. So I should say that investing in shares is actually one of the better investments during a period of high inflation. If you are investing in bonds, for example, this is pretty bad because it erodes the value of the payouts you're receiving and the capital value of the bond itself. Conversely, companies can deal with inflation and pass on the costs, and they can even increase the dividends they pay out. So, actually, investing in shares is quite a good idea when inflation is on the rise. Emma, thank you very much. There's more about the effects that inflation can have on your investments on our website at ft.com/money. And while you're there, why not take a look at our live Q and A on investing for your ISA? This week we asked Patrick Connolly, a certified financial planner at Chase Devere, and Anna Sofat, a wealth advisor and director at Adidi Wealth, to answer your questions on charges, asset allocation, and investing for children. All the questions and the answers are free to view at ft.com/ftisa. And in this weekend's FT Money, we have a comprehensive guide to how to go about buying gold. Still to come on the show. Why are we so bad at predicting how long we're going to live? But first, let's turn to the murky world of digital cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin has been called the currency of the internet. The e-currency was invented in 2009 and is now traded across a global online network of computers. The value of a single bitcoin is determined by a peer-to-peer -peer network of users, not by a government or a central bank, and that's part of the appeal. No politician will ever be able to debase the currency by printing lots more of it. Another attraction is that users can buy bitcoins with near anonymity, which some people say makes it the perfect currency for illegal transactions. But legitimate traders say that as a means of exchange, it's much cheaper, easier, and more convenient than bank-based systems. The price of bitcoin has been very volatile lately. Last November, a single Bitcoin was worth one thousand two hundred and fifty U.S. dollars. Now it's worth about half that amount. Regulators have been making some warning noises about its growing use, and the computer giant Apple has barred Bitcoin apps from the iTunes Store. 
I'm joined now by Akin Fernandez, who this week opened the UK's first shop where customers can walk in and actually buy the e-currency. Akin, thanks very much for joining us. According to Bitcoin itself, there are around 50 digital currency accepting businesses inside the M25. Can you explain what's different about yours and what might a customer see when they come into your store? What we've done is we've set up a place where people can walk in off the street and buy Bitcoins through our new voucher system, which reduces the complexity of getting Bitcoins to its lowest possible level. What they'll see essentially is a laptop, myself, and a printer, and I will print off vouchers for the Azteco website where they can redeem the voucher and receive Bitcoins. And what exactly, for the benefits of listeners and readers who might have heard of Bitcoin but not quite understand exactly what it is, what exactly is it? Well, but first of all, Bitcoin is not in any way murky. The Bitcoin is essentially an online distributed ledger where every single entry is unique and can be traded between one person and another. All Bitcoin transactions are done in public, so everybody can see what Bitcoin is going to wear. Essentially, Bitcoin isn't money. It's a way of accounting for entries on a public ledger. It has some of the properties of information and some of the properties of money. Okay, and what sort of people use it, do you find, in in daily life? What sort of people are coming into you asking for vouchers? At the moment, there's people who are uh, basically curious about Bitcoin. They want to try out the Bitcoin for the first time. And because you can buy a very, very small amount with Azteco, it's uh, something they can use to get their feet wet. Now, normally, when you try and buy Bitcoin, there can be up to a three-week wait to get your Bitcoins because uh, the other Bitcoin services ask for all sorts of documentation before they supply you with Bitcoin. And, of course, we don't do that because we understand that Bitcoin is nothing more than a piece of text. And as a piece of text, it's no different from buying a newspaper or any other piece of text. And so there shouldn't be any artificial barriers or friction to getting Bitcoin. Why do you think some people are so worried about the um, the spread of, a, of an online currency or a, a, an information system like this? First of all, it's being mischaracterized constantly. And secondly, it's something that's very, very new. This is the first time that you've had a technology that solves the double spending problem. Now, the double spending problem is not something people uh, have generally heard about. But what it means is that people can trade things that have not an intrinsic value, but a utility between each other. And because it's very new and very sort of strange, some people are worried about it. And I think that's fear of something new that's uh, troubling them. Mm-hmm. The, the value of Bitcoins in conventional money terms has also been very volatile. You know, we mentioned that, that it was sort of way above $1,000 to the Bitcoin last October. Now it's, um, it's much lower than that. Why is it so volatile? Is that because it's new as well? First of all, the value of Bitcoin doesn't matter. If you have £100 and you want to send or buy something for £100 from somebody anywhere in the world, you can go to Azteco, for example, buy a voucher for £100 worth of Bitcoin, no matter how much that Bitcoin is, and then send it to them, and then they will send you the £100 worth of goods. Now, if Bitcoin is one pound per Bitcoin, you need 100 Bitcoins. But if it's one ten thousandth, obviously, you need much less. What comes out at the other end is what matters. The, the 100 pounds that you put in when you bought the Bitcoins. And as long as you use the Bitcoins imme- immediately, the price doesn't matter. 
And obviously, this is a new technology. As time goes on and there are more and more merchants, more and more exchanges, more and more people using it, the uh, fluctuations will begin to diminish. And then this argument against it, which people make quite a lot, will just be a moot argument. It will disappear. And finally, do you think Bitcoin will ever become a mainstream currency, or perhaps if not a currency, then a widely used means of exchange? Absolutely. In the beginning of email in the 1990s, very, very few people were using it. Certainly, you never saw people with a mobile phone with email on it. Now everybody has email. It's going to take time for Bitcoin to spread everywhere. Once the killer application is written and it spreads to everybody's mobile phones, it will become a fact of life just like email and text messaging and everything else. Thanks very much. That was Akin Fernandez, owner of Azteco, Europe's first Bitcoin shop. You can read more about Bitcoins in a detailed feature by the FT's US investment correspondent Stephen Foley. And you can find out more about how to get hold of the e-currency yourself in this weekend's FT Money. This is available on both Saturday and Sunday at all good news agents as part of the weekend FT. You can also read online at ft.com forward slash money or on tablets, Kindles and other mobile devices. We're also interested in your views. What do you think of Bitcoin? You can reach us on Twitter. The handle is at ftmoney or you can leave comments on articles on our website at ft.com forward slash money. Finally, you can email us directly. The address is money at ft.com. On to our final item for today. If you're a man and you've recently retired, we have some good news for you from the unlikely source of the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries. According to new research from this august body, the chances of a man aged between 63 and 77 dying have fallen by more than 4% each year over the last five years. There have been improvements in life expectancy in older ages too, with the risk of dying falling by 2% each year for men aged up to 89. What's also interesting about these numbers is that they show that men are starting to close the gap with women in terms of longevity. In some cases, the reduction in the risk of dying for men has fallen faster than it has for women. Increased longevity has a huge impact on savings and pensions, and it seems as though individuals and the industry haven't yet appreciated how quickly these changes are happening. I'm joined now by Norma Cohen, who, as the FT's demography correspondent, I expect, has a host of explanations for these numbers. So, Norma, why are men living longer all of a sudden? Part of it is the fact that everyone is living longer. Successive generations are entering old age in healthier shape than we ever had. For example, people who are in retirement now probably endured childhood illnesses such as mumps, measles, probably had bouts of flu. All of those are actually quite destructive. Next generation will have fewer of these illnesses. But the generation now retired didn't suffer diseases like scarlet fever, tuberculosis, cholera that earlier generations would have. So less cellular damage has been done by the time they hit old age. And why have we been so bad at predicting our own lifestyles? I mean, the pension industry has been caught out time and again by people living longer than they thought they were going to live. It's quite an interesting question, Jonathan. And the answers for it are not clear, but surveys all over, not just in the UK, but in the US, Canada, Australia, show that people routinely underestimate how long they're going to live. It may be emotional. They may be thinking about their parents and their parents' old age. 
And they may be expecting that old age, one's life expectancy, one's longevity is determined by one's parents' longevity. In fact, one's parents' longevity probably accounts for a very small portion of what people are capable of living to. It's about a quarter of life expectancies is genetic, and the rest is environmental. And what are the implications for long-term saving, particularly, of course, for men who are going to have to make their savings last longer, presumably? I think the big message is is about working longer, but it also means thinking about saving in a way that will allow you to stretch out your expenditure throughout your period of retirement so that you don't binge spend in the early years when you retire and are in a shape to spend wildly. And finally, if men are catching up with women in terms of life expectancy in some sections of the population, does that have important implications for public policy and for pensions? One of the things it means is that the problem of old age poverty, which has largely been a problem of female old age poverty, is reduced to the extent that husbands often come with a pension. So what you have are Uh, healthier, wealthier, older households who are capable of spending more. Okay, thank you very much, Norma. There is more on longevity and savings on our website at ft.com forward slash money and in this weekend's FT Money. Other highlights in this issue. City fund manager Terry Smith explains why he has avoided one of Warren Buffett's biggest investments. We look at how to invest in gold as the price reaches a three-month high. We have the pick of Investors Chronicles stock screens and FT Money readers ride to the rescue of Ludovic Hunter Tilney, offering imaginative solutions to the pension savings dilemma the FT's pop critic Ludo highlighted last week. If you want to add your own comments, let us know about a hot topic or share your thoughts, you can do so via Twitter, the handle is FT Money, online at ft.com forward slash money or via email. The address once again is money at ft.com. We will be back next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Norma, Emma, and our special studio guest, Akin Fernandez. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.